Hello and welcome to episode two of the Spirit of Life in Ibiza podcast. We're sat here today at the Torre des Molar Tower in San Miguel, which once served as a lookout to alert the island of potential pirate attacks. The tower is at the top of a cliff 95 metres above sea level, so we have a beautiful panoramic view of the Mediterranean Sea. And from this lookout point, we are able to see the crystal clear waters of Benaras, which is infamous for its stunning sunsets and hippie drumming. The reason I've chosen this location today is because my guest, Eric Passman, ex-Special Forces, had a terrifying yet life-changing episode of psychosis at Benaras only six weeks ago. Eric is going to be sharing a little about this experience with us shortly as we chew the fat in this beautiful location. But before introducing Eric, I should explain that we only actually met two days ago at Tannic Cave, literally seconds after I finished recording my first podcast. It turns out that whilst I was discussing channeling and my connection with spirit outside the cave, Eric was sat merely metres away, channeling with his own spirit guide. He was told by his guide that he needed to go to Tannic Cave, as there was someone there that he had to meet. So it seems that fate brought us together to do this podcast. Such is the magic of this beautiful island. So a very big welcome to you, Eric, and thank you for joining me at this, quite frankly, incredible location. Yeah, well, thanks uh, for inviting me over. This is, uh, this is, for me, it's very special because we actually see the beach from over here, and you can see there when the mountain, when the sun hits the mountain, just below there. Uh, that's where it all started for me, that I, for the first time, well, actually, consciously uh, gave myself to uh, something that, that we cannot see and touch uh, f- yeah, for the first time, actually. Well, I'm sure everyone's really looking forward to hearing that. But before, that, before we do hear that story, I actually just want to take all the listeners on a little journey into the Pirate Tower itself. Um, I'm quite literally risking my life to, uh, to bring you this podcast here. But I want you to hear the acoustics that are in this beautiful Pirate Tower. So bear with me as I'm walking down the stairs and trying not to break my neck. Here we go. So listen, can you hear the acoustics here? This is just, it's incredible. It really is such an amazing tower and I feel very grateful to be here today. These podcasts are actually really helping me to to find these beautiful locations on the island. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here today. Okay, Eric, so... Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd love you to start. You, you're in the special forces. Yep. I'd love you to start by telling us, like, paint us a little picture about about what what happened there. How that how was that for you? Yeah, of course, it was the best time of my life. I was living in uh, I was living the dream. You know, I was 24 and I went to Afghanistan with a with a team of my own. I mean, the responsibilities they give you in the army at such a young age it's fantastic. And um, I worked with great people there because you know, in the army, in essence, uh, you work with people that are actually. Uh, willing to give their life uh, for the, the person next to them and that that makes things special you know I mean it's not about you but it's about the collective thing although I must say that I, uh, I I'm not a fan of war and I didn't like shooting at all but for me it was very important to uh, yeah to be able to work with these people at this young age under these high performance circumstances and uh, of course we traveled the world you know we went to, to the middle east to america to africa a couple of times so uh, yeah for me it was living the dream but after uh, six years in the special forces including uh, training and selection uh, i decided it was my time for a change um, and i'm very happy i did it because it brought me a lot and uh, yeah a lot of friends and uh, you know experiences but yeah it was time for change when i was done yeah okay. and can i ask this question did you ever have to kill anyone Luckily, no. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, indeed, yes. Yeah. Okay. And may I ask, what what made you go into the army? Yeah. Well, um, most will uh, actually. I wanted not to recognize it, but my father was in the army. So when I was at the age of five, I was already walking around at the army base, and of course, it's intriguing. Uh, but um, I went to logistics first because I really didn't, you know, I wasn't really into shooting and stuff and all these uh, violent stuff. Uh, but I went into logistics uh, because it was literally the only organization in the world where you learn how to lead. You know, the military academy is completely uh, organized to teach young people to be a leader. And of course, it's not easy, and you know, a lot of people struggle. But for me, that's what I w- that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a leader to be able to serve people, so that. And I always say that you know, the role of a leader is 
um, being supportive to a team. So I really believe in the concept of uh, shared and uh, serving leadership. Uh, and that's what you, you're able to do in the army. So that's why I went in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you left the army and you started working, was it at KLM? Yeah, there were a couple of jobs in between because I must say that the army is also a way of living. So it's pretty difficult if you get out to find your place in the world. I know a lot of friends of mine struggle with that as well. So I went to work for a private university in Holland um, and I did some leadership programs there, which I loved. But the environment wasn't mine. It was, uh, yeah, well, it's about theory, you know, and I also like practice a lot. So uh, then I quit and I switched to consultancy, which I also liked uh, because it's all about change and change is all, all about people, but it was in logistics and I felt that it was not my place. It was too narrow for me. Although, again, all due respect with people that choose for one specialization because it's very important, but it's just not me. It was too, too narrow. So then after consultancy, I switched to work for the KLM and that was my first experience with a big corporate organization. Uh, yeah, and then, then after a half a year or so, I went into a burnout, um, which was not the fault of the company but I realized that it's not my place. And it took a toll on me, you know, sitting in all these meetings and uh, yeah, going uh, from, yeah. Actually other people um, determining your agenda was very difficult for me. So I, uh, I went into this burnout, which of course were the first signs of my starting transformation, but I didn't know that yet from then on. That's very interesting. It's interesting to hear the burnout happened for you uh, in the corporate world, but um, Surely there must have been, from working in the army as well, there must have been a build-up from there, which maybe then just hit when you got to the corporate world, because that's a stressful environment to be yeah. in. Well, it's funny that you say so, because that's uh, that's indeed what most, pe most people think and say. So I was also tested for PTSD, because everybody thought I had PTSD, of course. But I knew I didn't have it, because, you know, we saw some bad things and we were in some bad situations, but I felt, yeah, I did we talked about this, you know, and it was all fine and I didn't dream about it. And to be honest, you know, the corporate environment and specifically KLM is also, you know, an environment uh, that provides you with safety and regulated hours if you, you know, you listen to it. So when I worked at KLM, I didn't work that much in, you know, in hours or, you know, I slept very well. I did, did my gymnastics. Uh, I ate very well. So for me, going into that burnout was actually a surprise. And of course, you start looking for excuses and you, you make yourself crazy, you know. Is it because of my youth? Is it about uh, that I work too hard and, and so forth and so on? But in essence, all this didn't matter. It was just my starting transformation. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know all about that because I suffered burnout myself as a stockbroker and that was absolutely the start of my transformation as mm -hmm. well. So um, like, I'm sure you're the same, but I'm actually very grateful to it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess um, I guess we need to get on to it. So you, you came to a retreat in Ibiza. Yeah. And I know you've said that um, you didn't even know what a retreat was <laughs> before. And I guess like, you know, the army is a lifestyle. It's not really a, a, a um, it's not really a job that allows uh, spirituality or for showing emotion or anything like that. Um, so I guess like retreats and anything to do with the spiritual, the spiritual journey, which people talk mm -hmm. about, or mm -hmm. this, this kind of um, this level of consciousness. I guess it wouldn't have really been something that was in your in your energy field at that time. <laughs> so, what made you go to a retreat in Ibiza? Yeah, well, uh, I would like to state that in the army, you know, at first uh, first sight, people might think that there is not no space for emotions or spirituality. But in order to, you know, you, you really live together very intensely. You go on missions for four to five months. You share rooms with with nine people on a very very like. 10 by 5 meter uh, cabin uh, so there's actually a lot of room for emotion and you also you have to cope with all these stressful situations that you you can only be but yourself you know I mean not your true self that I recently discovered but there is a lot of place for emotions in the army and people are open in my experiences but jumping to the retreat because that was your question um, yeah I didn't know what a retreat was of course I read all these magazines and articles that people were going everywhere you know to do whatever they were doing uh, but i was attracted to ecstatic dancing um, because in the army you know it's a lot about strength building and obstacle courses and i was pretty fed up with that because um yeah i felt like uh, i just wanted to have more joy in movement so you know i didn't want to put all this stress on my body but i just wanted to make fun while doing exercises so the retreat was all about ecstatic dancing uh, and that got me there and it was also like a holiday so I was in this burnout for three months and it was a good timing for me to go to Ibiza 
in this case and to enjoy life a bit you know in i was thinking is the end of my recovery phase <laughs> but uh, yeah. it turns out to be just the start yeah <laughs> the beginning of a new life <laughs> so that leads me to my next question tell me about this this psychosis as you as you described it uh what happened what actually what, what started the mm-hmm. the psychosis that you had yeah well i don't have any background in uh any you know, like uh anything that has to do with psychosis and of course we call it psychosis in society uh, i know now that, that it's been a very intense transformation so from now on if i use the word psychosis don't mind me but i know it hasn't been a psychosis um yeah what 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 actually happened i, I went into this retreat and for the first day there were like these these cards uh, tarot cards i think that's the right word and there was some uh, um, you know these these scents were being brought in and uh, there's a smelling very very uh, sali i think it's called sali in dutch it's sali uh and then uh we had to do meditation and then during the dance they start doing some healing things by putting their hands on my heart and on my chakras and i didn't even know what the chakra was <laughs> but i started crying and, and all these energy left my body and i felt happy and all these emotions went through me so <laughs> I was actually, it was already starting, but I just didn't know. So somebody was tricking me in this transformation, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, the old energy left me. That's what really happened. That's, that's, that was a major thing during the third day of the retreat, when he had the ecstatic dance and some energy left me that literally said to me, I don't need to protect you anymore because you can do it by yourself now. And from that moment on, uh, I started doing, <laughs> I think, yeah, I still have to research it, but ancient shamanic rituals somewhere in the forest during the early morning. <laughs> and so I was actually thinking it was normal. <laughs> so just to clarify on that, this wasn't part of the retreat experience. You were just getting up and being guided yeah. to do these these rituals, which you up until that point probably didn't even know what a ritual was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know what I was doing. But yeah, it was not part of the retreat. Um, but the yeah, the guidance was very clear. It said, take this, take this, go there. And then I, I can even remember that there was a cat and the voice said, okay, what direction is the cat looking? Okay, go that way, you know? So, and I, I was really thinking it was all normal and it, now I know it was normal. So just to reiterate on that, um, you feel like the cat was guiding you to where these rituals actually were to take place? Yeah, yeah, that, that's what happened because um, uh, yeah, I was staying in the hills in a finca, you know, a small farm. Of course, I didn't know where to go, but a cat was hanging around me for a few days, uh, and it, it was a, it it ate a snake the day before, which is a symbol of transformation, and you know, uh, but yeah, it pointed out the way, and then I walked that, and it was a few hundred meters away from the farm, and it was this uh, old well, I think, a place very deep in the ground, and that's where I had to do an integration, and of course, I didn't know what it was, but I had to integrate. Uh, and now I know that it has everything to do with integrating the yeah the, the soul or your true self uh, within your body, uh, and that's what started there. Yeah, that's really interesting. I always knew that cats were legends. Um, okay, so that's the start of what was named a psychosis, but you recognised to be a transformation. Mm. So you worked, so you were on the retreat, you did this um, these ancient rituals. Uh, and then what was the next step within that? What 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 then happened to um, to make it be seen as a psychosis? Yeah. Well, during the day, I was uh, relatively normal. <laughs> How can anyone be normal? But, uh, yes, what, what is normal? <laughs> what is normal? Uh, I did ma- notice that I was breathing very heavily and, you know, I was feeling a bit lightheaded. But, yeah, I managed around. And, of course, the, the, the girl that was, was leading the retreat also checked me and uh, I was fine. And sometimes I had some grinding exercises. So uh, it all went well. And when the retreat finished, I stayed a few days longer. But that's when, uh, I think right after the retreat, during the night, uh, I didn't sleep for one night, al- almost one night, uh, because I, you know, my hands were taken over in all these kinds of healing movements. And it, it was also explained to me that I was starting to heal myself. Uh, I had some pain in the stomach, wh- which is now gone, actually. I had it for years. Uh, and it all started. And... There were voices, and there it was getting very cozy in my head. There were many voices <laughs> at, a, at a time, and that's when it started to get a bit freaky uh, for me, and I, st- I started feeling a bit discomforted. Yeah, and that's also when, at this certain point, I knew that I had to leave the farm because I would have stayed there for another week to hike because pizza is beautiful, and the wilderness here is, you know, it's so vast that I wanted to go in there. But after two days. 
my guidance um, said to me that you have to go now because you need to make space for whatever reason. But another voice said, you can just go because you still have to say goodbye, goodbye to the lady. That's not you, Eric. You don't just go away. So I felt a bit twisted. <laughs> and I decided to stay for a bit longer. So I got my stuff together. And then uh, the woman who organized the retreat, she came back. And then I wanted to say goodbye, but I stuck, started acting very strange. So I kept my sunglasses off uh, on and I said, I don't want to see your eyes because I don't want to check in with you because I need my distance right now. And she immediately noticed that I w had gone very far, you know, that I have actually stepped out of uh, being grounded in your body, being grounded in being. Um, so she called my aunt. And then together, I really respect what, what they did afterwards because I was, I mean, I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, and if I know where I want to go, I'm going there and nobody's going to stop me. So they've worked around me like 24-7. They've arranged everything because I went, I got my stuff. I went into a car. I drove to the airport, you know, I made a small accident there, but not, not, it's not mentionable. Um, I talked to the police there. I thought that everybody was my friend, by the way. So uh, I felt... Everybody is your friend. <laughs> really? Mm. It was like a, some code word, you know. So if I met people and I said, um, you're my friend, then I would know somehow that they would help me. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, yeah, and I, then w I went to this hotel and my aunt kept calling me and she kept me uh, yeah, with an with a open line. She gave me advice and that was very important, you know, because I was really drifting away. My mind was drifting away into another reality. And, um, and my aunt kept saying, okay, Eric, where are you right now? Write, get pen and paper, write down, what day is it? What are you going to do next? Um, what, tomorrow morning, you're getting up. What are you going to do, you know? So she kept the line open. And in the meantime, uh, the girl uh, found a f and a friend of her, they were arranging everything. They were bringing back my car, they were booking tickets, you know, they had the number of my aunt. So, yeah, they were ex everybody was really saving me. They were working very hard for me to, to, you know, to be able to go back to Holland. Yeah, And I didn't know that by then because I was in the illusion that there was an army of light that was uh, working to take me home and guide me to the light and I had to escape from the darkness. That was the, yeah, that's w what I was afraid of. Maybe it's all one and the same, the army of light and the, um, <laughs> you know, the beauty of humanity surrounding you and helping you get home. Um, <laughs> wow. But you, uh, you mentioned that um, you felt like you were going into a different reality. Can you explain a little bit about what that reality felt like to yeah. you? For uh, if I break it down, because a lot of things happened, um, I was in the illusion that there was a difference between good and evil, so that the world has a div div is divided in good and evil, and that we are working with a group of good people you know the white light um and that we are actually yeah working hard to uh, eradicate the evil from the world and that we're already very far <laughs> it said like about 80 percent or something i even think that they mentioned percentages may i just interrupt quickly uh, you said you're under the illusion that there was no good and evil in the world is that something you still feel is an illusion as part of the psychosis or is that something you actually feel is a real reality mm. or a higher reality as part of the yeah. transformation that you're feeling you, you went through. Yeah, uh, well, I was in the illusion that there was a difference between good and evil. And this is maybe hard to explain because, you know, we it's for us the same as we have a sun and a moon and a day and a night. But I now know, it's my reality, you know, but I now know that there is no evil in this world because everything happens, you know, uh, and there's no reason to be afraid of anything um, and there is no army of light workers, but it, yeah, we're all together and we're just going into one direction. And the only thing we have to do is listen to each other and take care of each other and love each other. And yeah, we're going we're going one way. So it might it might sound a bit vague, but for me that was the essence of the of of the illusion I was in. Yeah, I guess with um, when we talk about there being no evil. Um, I guess every, everything that is done to somebody has already been agreed. And I know this is a very difficult mm -hmm. one for people to understand, especially when bad things, which we would define as, as evil, um, have been done. But on, and when you get to the higher state of consciousness and that understanding there, we, we all kind of have these soul contracts. We're all one and we mm -hmm. all come here to live this life together in, in harmony or not, however you, mm -hmm. you choose to look at that. But it is harmony because... Um, each soul needs to experience what it needs to experience and it is all agreed before yeah. and obviously there's some very violent and some very awful acts that, mm. that come as part of that um, but you know, when you get to the higher understanding of that it is, 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's agreed. So therefore, is somebody being evil? If if you, as a soul, before you come down mm. to this life, have asked another soul to give you that experience, mm. is it then evil that they have mm. given you that experience? Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah, just a bit of just just something to think about there, just on yeah, the yeah. on the subject of you talking about there is no evil. But but yeah, but yeah, back, nice. back back yeah, to you and good. your experience. Yeah, what, sh- what should I tell? I mean, I got back to Holland and uh, things. You know, I was dropped off the airplane. My sister, she actually took me in the car, and that was a wild ride because I now know that my third eye was being uh, set there, uh, literally. So my sister, and she, she doesn't know, and maybe she one day she'll listen to this podcast because I'm going to talk about her. But she's very wise and com- very strong, very balanced. Um, I never expected I would say that about my little sister, <laughs> but she was. Because we had a one and a half hour drive from Eindhoven to Maastricht, um, and she sat next to me, obviously driving the car. And I sat there and, you know, something was taking over my breath and uh, I was breathing very deeply and uh, yeah, all the energy came from inside me and literally uh, it came to an eruption in my head and I felt like in the center of my eyes that all the energy was coming together and bursting out, you know. And uh, my sister, she, she was next to me and she, she kept me grounded there, you know, her energy, her peace and quiet, although she was feeling very stressed, she told me later. But uh, yeah, it kept me... It kept me feeling safe actually so that's also the importance of family i guess you know yeah yeah and it's i mean it sounds like a very scary experience um but in reality you, you know you, you you're talking about it that this is hindsight of course you already understand this is your third eye opening mm. and it sounds like it happened in a very violent and powerful way mm. which was obviously a lot to take yeah um but people's third eyes are opening all the time we, yeah. we actually we are all psychic we're every mm-hmm. single one mm-hmm. of us is born psychic we all have the gift of sight um we talk about gut feelings in this you know in, in business and stuff but in reality our third eye is is something that it's what we have that extra sense from yeah. um so yeah as I say like it's like my third eye sometimes I feel with my third eye that it's so open I'm getting so many downloads of mm, information mm. Um, that like, it gives me a bloody headache headache quite yeah, frankly yeah. um, so it can be very intense but obviously for me it's still something that's I've had very intense experiences with it but it's happened over a, a long period of time as mm. well whereas for you you've just gone boom it's gone it's yeah. from out of nowhere it's yeah. come straight at you so yeah. it must have been a very very terrifying experience for yeah. you yeah, some elements were terrifying, but to be very honest, the voice was really comforting me all the time. So, and also giving me proof because we were building on a relationship of trust. And every time it also said to me, this is going to happen right now. For example, tonight, when I was in Ibiza still, you're going to sleep in a good hotel because that's what you need. You only have to ask for it. So that's what I did. I asked the taxi driver to bring me to a good hotel, you know, so that's how it works. <laughs> and then did you uh, ask for the money for it as well? It was 550 euros. It was the most expensive and shortest night of my life. <laughs> and Spirit didn't find a way of getting that money too, you know? Uh, yeah, we still have to figure that out. I hope for the future. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a big spender. <laughs> I'm still working on that one too. <laughs> so yeah, then... Um, yeah, I, I felt comforted in the beginning and, and I knew what was happening and I saw all this love between people. And for example, when I was in Maastricht with my aunt and uncle, I could see their bond, you know, they're, they are soulmates. That was so clear for me. And uh, their love and the balance between them as a couple constantly kept me, kept me grounded, kept me on earth. So I didn't feel scared at all. I knew that I was serving a purpose, you know, because for my aunt and uncle, actually saving me is is valuable you know i mean being able to save your nephew when he is uh yeah losing reality is, is, is yes <laughs> it's a gift actually and i knew that all the way that it was not about me but i was being an instrument for others as well as i was yeah being guided myself uh you know yeah <laughs> uh so back in uh back in amsterdam you actually found yourself in a position where you were sectioned uh, that was straight from maastricht actually because when I s- stayed with my aunt and uncle during the night, I didn't fall asleep and things st- started be being a little bit blurry again. So I hit the streets. I remember uh, first I danced in the living room of my aunt and uncle. And although, of course, they were a bit afraid, they were also uh, laughing a lot. Uh, and then I went out and I took this big raincoat and this, this small hat on. I was some sort of inspector gadget, you know. I walked the street and I decided to <laughs> sit in the back of a black van somehow it was open because i was still in the illusion that this van would take me to safety you know and then i sat in the back of the van but there was all this garbage and it was smelly and then the voice said to me eric 
you can do anything you want right now. Are you really going to sit on garbage? And then I said, no, no, that's a bad idea. So I went to sit in front, <laughs> at the not the driver's seat, but the one right to it. And I sat for a while and of course nothing happened. But then after half an hour or so, the the driver came in because it was just a worker and had his working van there open in the morning at six o'clock. And he was not that friendly to me <laughs> and I felt it immediately. So uh, I left the car. And in meanwhile, uh, my aunt and uncle uh, had called the police, of course, because I went on the streets and uh, they were also a bit frightened of me. But my uncle has told the police that I had been in special forces, that I had been deployed abroad. Uh, so yeah, I might have been, could have been aggressive and violent. So the police was a bit framed. Uh, and I knew that I wouldn't be violent, you know, I knew that I wouldn't hurt anyone and I felt comfortable. But I felt the fear of the police because I got out of the car uh i yeah i walked towards four policemen in a police car and they were scared i mean makes sense you know uh, everybody is scared in that situation so they asked me to turn around and uh well they weren't they weren't that clear to me or i didn't receive their messages i mean let's leave that in the middle but somehow i uh, i i walked past by them and then this voice because we were having a lot of fun as well this voice said to me eric do you see that bicycle over there so i looked at the bicycle and i said yeah i see it okay have you ever thrown a bicycle at a police car? <laughs> I said, nah, you gotta be kidding me. And then he said, yeah, it, do you, do you want to do it? I mean, you can do it right now. I said, yeah, why not? You know, it's harmless and I'm not going to hurt somebody. So uh, I said, okay, let's do it. And I took the uh, bicycle and I threw it on the police car. And the next thing I heard, of course, was uh, pepper spray. And they, uh, yeah, they brought me to the ground, they pepper sprayed me and they arrested me. All very friendly and very professional. I mean, uh, I really uh, I think the Dutch police has really done a good job there. I'm really proud. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, the, the voice in my head can be a little bit cheeky sometimes, <laughs> but n- never to that extent. And uh, if he ever guided me to get him pepper spray in my eyes, I would. I think I'd be disconnecting with him very quickly. <laughs> yeah, but for me it was fine because you know I had all this training in the army and I knew. You know, we also arrested people or in training exercises arrested people. So I knew it was going to happen and this was very, uh, very comforting as well. And it was necessary because because of this event, I now know in hindsight, is they brought me to solitary confinement. And for me, that whole experience with solitary confinement and yeah, being there all by myself, not being able to go out, uh, was a very, very important process of my healing, actually. Yeah. And when you say solitary confinement, is this um, where you were sectioned or is this a separate event? Yeah, that's separate. So in Holland, they first, I was obviously not being aggressive, so I was, I was being labeled as a care patient. But there is no institution that where you can be brought in at six o'clock in the morning. So they brought me to solitary confinement for a day. And then after I was being checked by psychiatrists, of course, and they decided to bring me to, uh, yeah, I was being sectioned for a few days. Okay. Yeah. And so it was, the, it was the speaking to the psychiatrist who decided to section you. They decided that the psychosis, as they would call it, yeah. um, was so strong that they felt the need to section you for that. Yeah, definitely. That's what happened. And um, yeah, if you mind, I, I can t- tell something about the solitary confinement because it was very, yeah, that was actually, I think that period was the most cleansing period of the whole, uh, what, yeah, what we call psychosis. <laughs> but um during the I was pepper sprayed in the eyes and then constantly there were three words that were running through my head and they were uh, hope, uh, love and uh, belief. Hope, love, belief. Hope, love, belief. All the time. And then I was being explained that, you know, we found out the importance of love as, as mankind. And we all hope that it's going to be fine. But truly believing uh, is not something we all do. Uh, and then the voice started asking me while I was under the shower washing my eyes from the pepper spray which was really burning by then because I was completely naked standing there being watched by other people you know can you imagine but my eyes burning like uh, yeah like crazy and then uh, the voice said okay Eric but uh, do you believe and I said in my head I said what do you mean I said no do you believe do you believe it's going to be alright and I said I don't know I mean what do you mean do you believe? I said, uh, maybe. And he said, do you believe? And I said, I don't know. And uh, then he said, okay, do you believe? And then somehow I shouted out, uh, yes, I believe. Uh, and I'm st- still not sure if it's been in my head or it's been, you know, if the police could have heard me. But when I shouted out, yes, I believe, I remember looking up 
and all the energy from my body was going up and I saw through my eyes I saw this warm white shiny light and then all of a sudden I stepped out of the shower opened my eyes the pain was gone and then I was locked up in solitary confinement so yeah wow that's quite a story yeah <laughs> yeah so any anything else you want to share from when you're in solitary confinement? That's uh, you know having your rights taken away, right? Yeah. So how did that feel for you? Yeah, somehow I realized that it made sense. You know, if you throw a bicycle in a police car, it makes sense that you're being locked up. So I didn't really struggle with that. What I did struggle with is that um, I was being afraid of being uh, yeah toxic. You know, like uh, me- some medicine. Because one thing was really 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 clear to me is I didn't want antipsychosis. I did accept some sleeping pills later on because I felt like my body needed rest. I mean, of course, it was very intense for my body. Uh, but I really, really didn't want antipsychosis. And I was so much f- focused on not taking that in because I yeah, intuitively knew that it was not good for me. Yeah, yeah that's really good. I'm, I'm so pleased that you, that you felt that strongly about that because I feel it is something for me. I just feel that there's so many people who go into this, this what we call psychosis, um, and get locked, you know, get locked up, and are given these drugs which mm-hmm. um, which stop them from feeling. And I know that as our society, we think that that's what we want to be doing, right? We want we want to stop them from feeling all this torture that they're feeling inside. But actually, and as as, as you know for yourself, what's what started to happen is this is it, rather than it being a, psych- a psychosis, it's a, it's the transform transformation, as you said, um, into something else. But it's a transformation into connecting with spirit, mm-hmm. to knowing that there's something bigger out mm. there than than this reality that mm. we are actually in um and so yeah so if you were to take those um to take those psychotropic medication you would probably you'd you'd come more into this dense mm. reality that we're actually in mm. but then be locked and trapped in your own body and your own mind mm. not knowing what's going on mm. so i find it really really scary actually that a lot of people in there um probably are in this just yeah. in this state of um what I would say like a high state of probably a higher state of consciousness than most people in our society yeah, yeah. and whilst yes they probably can't function in our society because that's the way our society's been set up I actually feel like they're probably actually very highly functioning mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. Um, and we're we're numbing them yeah. we're, we're, not, we're these people who could bring well we'll get onto this with you in a second because you're you're starting to bring these beautiful messages through these messages of of love but these very powerful conscious Mm. messages um and we're numbing people from Mm. bringing that through Mm -hmm. so i for one am very grateful that you followed that Mm. instinct of yours to to not because it's only this happened six weeks ago and you're back in ibiza and you're sat here clear as day there's so much clarity with you mm. there's there's nothing within you that makes me feel psychosis at all yeah, not yet <laughs> <laughs> it's getting dark here folks and we're on our own <laughs> if you don't hear from me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i mean i just I, for me that's 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 very it's magical that that you're that you're here so quickly after that event um when many people mm-hmm. people taking this medication mm-hmm. are trapped either either being sectioned so they're trapped being locked up or they're trapped in their own mental state yeah. for very very long periods of time yeah. and here you are six weeks later yeah. so if nothing else congratulations for that yeah 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 of course I, I could say thank you but it's it's not it's not it's not been my decision or even my effort you know i mean i've been prepared for this i think in past lives i mean i'm not really sure how reincarnation works yet but i do know that it, it exists it certainly does yeah and i've been i've been struggling to be honest, I've been struggling more the last five or six years with what I wanted to do in life than this whole intense transformation because I was being guided so clearly. Uh, of course, I had my fears. I mean, I had to go through all my fears in order to be where I am right now. I can say that I truly don't have any fears anymore, although my body still has to adapt to this still this new situation, that's for sure. Um, so I would like to say thank you, but thank you is not in place, actually, because it just... You know, it happens. You don't choose for this. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. 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 I'd actually really like to read something that I um, found on the internet on psychosis, just what the meaning of psychosis actually is. So it's saying that um, most people think of psychosis as a break with reality. In a way, it is. Psychos- psychosis is characterized as disruptions to a person's thoughts and perceptions that make it difficult for them to recognize what is real and what isn't. 
these disruptions are often experienced as seeing, hearing mm -hmm. and believing things that aren't real or having strange persistent thoughts, behaviours and emotions. Whilst everyone's experience is different, most people say psychosis is frightening and confusing. Mm -hmm. And it also actually says there that um, in America, um, it's approximately 100,000 young people wow. a year experience psychosis. Mm -hmm. And just going back to what I was saying there, so we're talking about this break in reality. This is what we, di this is what we diagnose psychosis as, yeah. a break in reality. But what reality is it that we're talking about? Because we, we have this, this, this reality that we know of here. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we just need to open up to the reality of a different yeah, reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously now you've, uh, you've opened up to this different reality. It's a yeah. reality I've been open to for some time yeah. and had to be opened up to in my own yeah. way as well, yeah. which was also scary at times. So I, you know, I, I didn't suffer what I would call psychosis, but I certainly had a lot of experiences growing up before the internet was really around as well. So I couldn't look anything up and had these yeah, very terrifying experiences. I, I had no one to talk to. I didn't know what they were. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I was frightened. But I often feel like if I had actually opened up and spoken to somebody, I'm, I'm so grateful that I didn't speak to anybody. Because if I had... I'd have definitely been sent to a psychiatrist. And if I'd have spoken to a psychiatrist, I'd have definitely been down the same route that you are. They'd have locked me up and thrown away the key, some of the crazy experiences yeah. I was having. And, you know, I know, I know it's, it's easy for me to say this, but I know I'm a long way from being, yeah. from being crazy. A little bit weird maybe at times. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, exactly. But I'm a long way from, from being crazy. In fact, you know, um, I'd say I'm... I'm like one of the most sane people that most people yeah, know yeah, yeah. Uh, and most of my friends whilst they do express that of course yes I'm a little bit weird in the, rea in mm -hmm. the reality that we live in they definitely recognise me and know me as being someone who is very yeah. sane um, so yeah so like obviously you're, you're going through this yourself at the moment and it is so new to you as yeah. well like I'm seven years into this and for you yeah. it's, it's six, six weeks, weeks and yeah. you already seem just so on the ball with it you already yeah. seem to know yeah. you know where you're going with this yeah. so uh, yeah what's your what's your thoughts on this um, on mm -hmm. this reality really well first I'd like to mention that I, I listened to uh, Deepak Chopra's uh, healing CD for now and I don't want to make any you know advertisement but it's it's so good because one of the things he says about reality is, you know, hallucinations become reality if experienced by many. And that's the essence of the shift we are making right now. And uh, I'm very grateful that I'm meeting all these people like you who have uh, same experiences. Uh, somehow there are many of them in Ibiza. And also grateful for my friends back at home who didn't have these experiences so explicitly because everybody uh, plays his part in everybody's life. Uh, but for me, finding understanding and being acknowledged as a person and that my reality is not my is not my own but we're actually sharing this reality with many more people that gives me real uh, support as well yeah that helps it helps me a lot yeah that's really good to know and what do you think so these these poor people who are currently suffering inside um you know these mental hospitals um who mm. probably at this stage once they've got once they're on the medicine they probably are really far gone to try and get back from that place but yeah. what are your thoughts on how we as a society can help these people obviously we need to raise our own consciousness and our understanding and have more compassion for these people and um maybe you know, from my perspective i think try and use medication as a mm. last resort rather than a first which it's not just psychotropic um medication that's used as a first resort we walk into a, a doctor's and they're writing a prescription for for um, pharmaceuticals the second we walk in the door right that's there's a massive thing there's a massive shift that needs to happen there in terms of working with mind body and spirit but having been in that environment yourself and having met some of these people I mean, it'd be great if you can maybe share some share some of your experiences when you were um, sectioned um, but yeah what are your thoughts on the use of medicine or or how else we could work with these people yeah, um, this is not my personal opinion, of course, because everything I say is being given. Uh, but I know now in these, this wave of awakenings that there are people capable of bringing people that are in psychosis uh, to integrate them. And by integrating, I mean that they are confused. So their body has fears and their soul has, uh, has fears, maybe. 
and it's possible to integrate them without medicine uh, and that'll take sometimes a single individual an energy worker uh, sometimes it will take teams of energy workers sometimes it will go very fast and sometimes it will take more time and uh, what is also very important is that the system of that person gets involved so i mean it could be a a partner we always think that you know parents and a, a love partner are the most important pillars in somebody's life but i mentioned my sister before i mean we were arguing all the time the last few years but she was one of the people that could actually bring me down and bring me back and keep me where i where i needed to be and it wasn't my parents uh, that took care of well they took care of me of course i don't want to dis, uh, discredit them but i wanted to go to my aunt because she was somebody in my environment that i would intuitively know could bring me back and I now know, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, we all have our gifts, that it's really possible to integrate people with their souls who are maybe have been in psychosis for many years. Yeah, and we're, we're finding that out right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I really, I really look forward to the day when, we, as a society, we sort of step up and start to recognise this. And it is happening, like consciousness is really mm. shifting at the moment and people are becoming more and more aware. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really powerful one because, mm. you know, these people are, are truly trapped. And mm. and as I say, if, if, if what we're saying is correct, and, you know, there's two of us saying it, so it must be true. Exactly. But, you know, if, if, this, if, this, if what we're saying is correct and these, these people are highly functioning, highly conscious beings who just have these beautiful gifts and have these spirit connections that they just simply don't understand and they can't understand because our society doesn't mm. support that understanding, um, then that's, that's a real shame yeah. because I know for me, being connected with spirit, some of the beautiful messages that come yeah. through me that blow me away sometimes, I can't believe that, they've, that these messages have, have, have come through me. And obviously this is what you're experiencing yourself. Um, I know as well that uh, obviously we had this um, chanced meeting at uh, Tannet Cave. And obviously, as we both know, there's no such thing as coincidence. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned in the introduction there, um, as I was talking about channeling, you were actually around the corner, yeah. just meters away, yeah. channeling. I believe, was this your first um, channeled experience where you uh, recorded something? Well, uh, yeah, before I, I mean, what's a channeling? Every thought can be a channeling in the end, but uh, this was uh, the first time that, um, well, let's call it a spirit guide, um, really emphasized the need to make this, yeah, to record this. So I sat down and, of course, I didn't know what was going to happen because that's what happens all the time. And I didn't, don't know what's going to happen, but I, I trust it, you know, so I put it on a recorder. And that was the first time, actually, that the spirit guide my spirit guide introduced himself and people have their own spirit guides or conceptualizations of spirit guides. Let's leave language in the middle. That's not important for me. Uh, and it was my calling. So I knew that I had to be in Ibiza. I knew that I had to meet somebody. Well, m maybe it's you. <laughs> I don't know. Here it's I am. It's my last day, so it has to be you. <laughs> uh, and also to find my true calling. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what happened. And it was on only like 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, if you listen back, it's very very strange because you make all these strange sounds and your voice doesn't really sound like your voice but um yeah for me it's very 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 i'm very grateful that i'm going back home confident to know what i should do because it's not about me anymore but it's about giving you know it's about giving back and maybe helping people that are in a psychosis right now how to get back because you know i've been there i i know <laughs> i know how it works to be honest and I'd love to ask you actually, how did you get back? Like um, you were sectioned, what happened? How did you end up getting out of that situation? Yeah. And yeah. how did you get back to this place of like clarity and strength? I think that the first thing that was the most important thing is that you have to work with your fears because um, something is holding you back. I mean, the soul wants to go its, its direction, you know, the soul knows where to go, but the body has insecurities or fears and somehow you have to work on that and I was very lucky that you know it happened for me or maybe people worked on that or source worked on that in past lives I can't tell uh, so I think that's very important and I don't know exactly how to do that yet because you know I mean it's been six weeks ago give me some time <laughs> but that's that's very important uh, when I was being sectioned uh, of course I was with people who were also a bit let's say disillusioned uh, let's keep it like that and uh, I was very open to all energy fields so I could see I could see and feel everybody and I knew 
I literally felt that I was buzzing of energy. You know, I was I was one big energy beacon. Um, and what happened there is that for me, I was constantly evading the energy of others because other people at a soul level, actually at an energetic level, they were curious what was going on. So they were coming to me and I was coming to them, but I couldn't handle it that well. So what happened then, and that was actually very interesting, um, that every time I met somebody, uh, we were checking in with each other at an energetic level soul level or whatever name you want to give it but let's give it let's say an energetic level so i remember meeting this woman and uh she was completely disillusioned at walking across the hallway and not eating not sitting between uh, other people you know other guests uh, and then we started talking and we made a connection and she was uh, constantly talking about that she wanted to die and she had a gun in her room which i got scared of um, strangely, because I thought I'd lost my fears, but still. <laughs> Guns are pretty scary. <laughs> pretty scary. Uh, but somehow we checked in with each other's uh, fears and insecurities, I think. And after a while, there was, a, there was trust, you know, and I could see her eyes change, literally her eyes change, because her eyes were very much going from the left to the right, and uh, she was constantly evading my, my eyes. And then finally, when we got really checked in with each other at an energetic level, she stared me straight into the eyes and I saw these black eyes like Cleopatra, you know, like powerful and strong and wise. That's Cleopatra for anyone who's English. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry to all the English listeners. <laughs> Cleopatra. Sorry, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and then, then something very interesting started sta started afterwards because this was not the only example. I had these kind of energetic check-ins with more people individually. But from the moment that trust was built, um, they started aiding me in clearing the energy field uh, for me as well. So other people were coming in. They, for example, wanted to talk with me, wanted to sit came sit next to me and then this woman which from now on i will call cleopatra um literally took over the conversation distracted the other person uh, and cleared the energy field so that i could sit there in comfort so you feel like she was doing this it's, you don't think this was a conscious thing that she was doing to protect you you feel it was just on that soul level of understanding it was something that was just naturally happening within her to protect you i think this is this is the essence of why people are, are together, you know? I mean, we are constantly working on our harmony together and our balance, and the things we say uh, are usually not even the things that truly matter, you know? I mean, energetically, there's a lot going on. You can sit next to your love partner and not say anything and feel completely in love and uh, balanced. And the things that I've seen and learned during and felt during that period in that uh, when I was sectioned, uh, for me are very valuable for my future work because can you imagine any time that you meet a friend and you haven't seen him or her for a while uh, you always have these first five minutes of awkwardness you know that you have to get used to each other a little bit that's the energy working and if you are really open and I think many people are open to this but we sometimes cannot find the language to say what we're actually feeling it can help couples it can help friends it can help in a work environment management teams or teams or whatsoever to really make good harmony in the team again, to feel the energy and to uh, yeah, to build trust actually, because it's all about trusting each other and seeing each other for who you really are and what you really need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we still haven't got to uh, why you've, um, how you managed to get out of the sectioning situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I would also, I have another question though, because um, I'd love to know you've spoken about your future work. And um, obviously these, these voices in the head that, you know, people, there may be listeners out there who do still think you're psychotic. <laughs> and there'll be listeners out there who just think I took too many drugs and that's how I yeah, connected yeah, with my yeah. spirit guide. And obviously that's, that's fine. We're not here to convince anyone any yeah, different. Yeah, we're yeah. just for anyone who's open and wanting to, um, you know, maybe wanting some information. We're just, we're just mm. here to, to share our stories, really. But with that in mind, um, you know, we recognise these, these mm. voices. And I say, like, I, I want to clarify when we say voices, because um, mm. people do automatically think the voices in your head, crazy people. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it's just, it's a guidance. It's, um, it's, our, it's being connected to our spirit guides, yeah. which, by the way, every single one of us has. Mm. And um, all of our guides are trying to get through to us all the time. 
um, we're just too blind to see it a lot yeah. of the time. And I think maybe you know, in your own in your own um, example, what happened to you was quite intense. But mm-hmm. sometimes spirit are trying so hard to get through, and we're just not listening. That that mm-hmm. maybe sometimes they get a little bit um, overzealous with their approach, maybe. But um, but yeah. So as I say, like. Um, think we're crazy or don't but uh you know I, I would love to see people opening up to their mm. to their guides and recognizing that spirit's there all the time and not just their guides but their loved ones that have passed away as well but that's that's a whole other episode i guess um <laughs> but yeah what i'd like to ask you so so these um the the, the, the spirit guides that are coming through to you they're being quite clear with you aren't yep. they as to yep. what it is that you're meant to be yep doing here so you've spoken about your future role and uh yeah so just tell us a little bit about what it is what it is these uh these crazy voices want you to do (laughs) (laughs) well yeah these uh, crazy voices are luckily down to one by now and i'll call it my own voice my own guiding voice or my inner voice but um it all makes sense because you know i was drawn to this leadership thing from a very young age and not because i was ego hungry or like power hungry but because i loved serving people when things get really tough you know and uh, in my opinion, uh, leadership is an art, you know, to be able to facilitate a group of people to outperform things that they have never imagined doing is really an art. So that's, that's what I like about it, like, practically. But if you look about the, the whole shift that we're making in consciousness, there are many big companies that are still organized in a very traditional way, you know, corporate uh, environments, uh, consultancy companies, I mean, many companies. And there is also a strength in the system that if the leader has a clear vision and listens to his true voice, you know, and follows his, yeah, like good values, there is no good and evil, but you know what I mean? Good values of love and harmony and freedom for everybody. It's actually possible to change a big system using the old traditional methods, you know. I mean, I've been in the army. I I, I know how powerful a system can be in achieving something beautiful. So that's why I would really offer, like to offer my services to uh, management teams that are under pressure, uh, where our leaders are struggling with themselves, you know, uh, in order to contribute my little part in this whole big shift, you know. That's, that's, what I, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And when you say offering your services, do you mean you would be channeling information for them? Um, what, what, what exactly do you mean by your services? Now, I, I'm not quite sure how it's all going to work out, but my guidance for now is very clear that, you know, we have two legs and one leg is, uh, well, actually working on energy, but the other leg is really standing here. So I'm going to do a team coach course. Uh, I've already had some experiences, but I want to, uh, you know, I want to um, make it a bit extra what I, what I know. And... Um, no, I don't know how my energy work is going to work out. Uh, I do know that uh, I've been given, uh, yeah, you know, I, my senses are very high. So I know what to feel. Well, that's a bit strange. I feel what I feel, but I know what to say, when to shut up and when to ask the right questions in order for that person or that team to come through the difficulties that they are facing, which could also mean that somebody in a team or a management team chooses to go another way or maybe that the leader of the team chooses to go another way and that's difficult you know that's a very difficult thing because it has to do with fear again uh, and that's a surface that yeah balancing on like energy work but also being very grounded that's something i am uh, al- allowed to do in this life yeah and I- i'm very grateful for that yeah, yeah. well I, don't know, I know i've already said this but it's great that after only six weeks you have so much clarity on on where it is that you want to go with this and obviously things are going to unfold slowly slowly over time (laughs) i mean as i say i've been i've been consciously working with spirit for seven years now i mean unconsciously (laughs) probably most of my life but consciously knowing you know that, Mm -hmm. that this path is unfolding for me and it amazes me all the time how many just new avenues open things that you didn't even recognize were going to be there and uh yeah so for you for only six weeks in to already have a clear picture I mean, obviously you, you you know yourself that it's not everything you yeah, don't you don't yeah, know everything yet but you've got this really clear picture and i guess what I, something I'd, i want to add to that really is you know we joked earlier about you know the crazy voices in our head but you know we're the, the, both of us here are the work that we're talking about doing is powerful work that is looking to change things mm-hmm. with love yeah and it it just it kind of makes me laugh really when people point fingers and and suggest that you know you're you're nuts <laughs> when actually like if we're if we're, if we're working in love like I'd ra- I'd rather be in the crazy world that we're yeah, living yeah. in in our crazy <laughs> reality than the craziness of the of the mm. the physical reality that mm. we are actually sat here in 
today you know so um yeah but um yeah it was it was a lovely it was a lovely meeting that we had a lovely um I say not by chance meeting that we had at Tannic Cave there, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm really, re- obviously, really grateful that both of our spirit guides mm. brought us together. Um, I think I'm going to need to sort of close quite soon, but I would still love to hear how you got out of the section. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get this out of you if it kills me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was actually very easy because uh, luckily, since I had all these experiences in the army, and it's all always about the basics, specifically in special forces. I mean, special forces aren't that special at all. They're just very good at the basics taking care of yourself you know sleeping eating and all those things taking care of your body so when i was in um i was sectioned uh this the guiding my guidance started saying okay eric look in this in the mirror how do you look right now yeah i look a bit like jack nicholson in one flew over the cuckoo's nest okay shave yourself you know take get yourself together uh do some sports um get a pen and paper what's this day going to be like just you know what happened the last few days write it down you know you have to prepare yourself because tomorrow you'll be in a conversation with the psychiatrist you have to be prepared you know so yeah how i got out was literally by guidance of my voice as well so that's what i'm saying uh yeah it's it's it wasn't mine i was helped yeah so your cheeky little spirit guide he got you into that mess but he got you straight out of it <laughs> yeah. after which is great yeah, yeah. hit and run operation <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, you know, a very powerful experience and I'm a big believer in, you know, everything does happen for a reason and particularly when it's big experiences like this. So it seems, you know, you were, you were meant to go through that. You were meant to have that experience. You were meant to be there. I'm sure there's, you know, part of the experiences that you had with some of the people who are, who are currently still trapped there mm. will probably play a very powerful role in your path going forward as Definitely. well. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in always having gratitude for every experience, no matter how hard mm. it is. And I know that can be hard for some people to swallow sometimes, but I think when you have gratitude for a situation, you, you just, you're able to walk away with it with, with so much learning. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's just uh, it becomes a powerful experience rather than that experience that that tainted me or that experience that broke me. Yeah. It actually becomes something that that experience that that might have broke me, but boy, did it build me back yeah, up yeah, again. Yeah. So I'm very glad to see you sat here at the top of this tower. Um, I was going to say being built back up. Um, how how tall are you actually? One ninety four. What's oh, what's that in um, yeah. six foot? Eight. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he's probably the tallest man I've ever seen, so he's definitely built himself back up. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you so much for for joining me here. Um, it's you know it's a very personal story that you've shared and a very difficult one. Mm. I mean, when we when we talk about psychosis, it's, we we know it's a transformation, but mm. psychosis that's something that's yeah. that's huge. And you've been through that, and you're here sharing it with me and and my listeners today so I have a lot of gratitude for that and I really hope that anyone listening can just take something from from what we've spoken about here today um you know I've I've met so many people since I've become very open about my own connection with with spirit I have so many people who now turn around to me and say oh actually I've had this experience and I've had that experience and people are too you know too shy to talk about it as was I for a long time because we really worry about the negative connotations Mm. that come back but you know if there's all these people having these experiences it's got to be real right Um, I mean we know that but you know just to put that out to to other people so I I just really hope that people can can take something on board for this and maybe start to be a little bit receptive to their own experiences and a little bit more open-minded to their own experiences and I'd I'd also say like as uh, this is more for us as a society to be less judgmental to people's um, potential psychosis (laughs) people's like you know psychotic episodes if that's what it is because actually you know there's there's potentially a lot more at play than than what we judge or perceive it to be uh but anyway it's got very dark here and as i mentioned (laughs) earlier i've been left i've been left with a nutter so (laughs) i think we're going to leave it there but uh (laughs) it's another who knows how to survive in the wilderness so you'll be fine (laughs) and we are literally in the middle of nowhere so i do need a nutter who's able to survive in the wilderness (laughs) because i certainly wouldn't know um but please do tune in uh next time for um i'm going to have more interesting guests and more beautiful locations across this um, amazing magnetic island of Ibiza so join in next time take care